Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat North Carolina 22-19. Robbie, how you feeling? I feel wonderful. I mean, uh, well, not that wonderful. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on that game. Uh, <laughs> but I, we got the win. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's always the, the, the line, right? The party line is, well, at least we won. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't get to judge the game. That's the whole no, point of this. Uh, so, yes, we got the W, and it's fantastic to have beaten Larry Fedora. Do you ever think about this? I thought Oof. about this. But Larry Fedora, look what he's missing. He always wears the visor. But what if Fedora won, wore a Fedora? Like, I mean, do you ever think about that? <laughs> I, I, not until just now. I mean, what a what an opportunity missed that he wears the visor. He really did. You know, Harbaugh went with the glasses for his signature look. Fuente goes with the white hat. But Fedora really missed out. He should wear a Fedora. <laughs> I just thought about that. There can uh, only yesterday. be one per crew. Exactly. All right, man. Give us a cheers. Uh, we're going to do our cheers this week uh, to you, Pete. Pete just got engaged. Uh, him oh. and Kate uh, just got engaged uh, Thursday. I was just hearing the story about it because we just connected uh, on it. And where I was going to go with this as well, um, as well as the cheers, because I'm so happy for, for you guys, is um, do you think you could take her last name? Because her last name, I think, is better <laughs> Than your last name, my I wife. Know, man. My wife and wanted my last name, and she hated hers. But I, I think you could, you could change it the other way around. Well, here, yeah, here's the thing. She's, she's got an Irish last name, and yep. I'll leave it at that. But there's an apostrophe, mm-hmm. and, and she says, you know, the grass is always greener because the apostrophe is a pain in the ass when you're doing bank accounts or scantrons or whatever. That's true. So, like, yes, my name is not pretty, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, but it might be slightly easier. Plus, you're at the beginning of the alphabet. Like That's being right. in the B's was always better for like getting your name called in class and all that stuff you like just get things out of the way earlier they always That's take right. alphabetic order it's better that way so well, we'll see but yeah we're really excited and thanks for the cheers man let's of course uh, cheers let's to Pete. do this drink yeah it was a great weekend for me because <laughs> got engaged very happy Eagles won that night, and then the Hokies won on Saturday. So, you know, that's that's a three for three if you want to put trifecta it that way, right there. Yeah, man. And uh, it was nice too because we got together with our parents on Friday night. Went to a brewery in Philly called Iron Hill, and it's a chain. There's a bunch of them around Delaware and PA. And I had some great pumpkin beer, and that is a good segue because this is also going to be our pumpkin beer episode tonight. Well, for for you, not for me. I couldn't find. I went to Whole Foods. <laughs> they had no pumpkin beers. I kid you not. They all, all they had was uh, the pumpkin. They didn't have any other yeah, which we've had beers. on the podcast before. Yeah, so I got two new unique beers, unique New York uh, beers. Well, I'll be able to take care of us for for the pumpkin beer, and we do it. We do it every year in October, and it's funny you say that because they do put them out so early that by the time you get to mid October, which we're currently in, like they do clear out. So the ones that I really wanted. I bought like the second week of September because I knew when we were doing this and like they just they are off the shelves. You'll still find some towards Thanksgiving, but it is weird how that works. Yep. And uh, I'm sitting here with a baby monitor. So I, I it's been a busy weekend. Let's just put it that way. Uh, my wife's out to dinner and I'm sitting at home with a baby monitor in front of me, my notes in front of me, and then you on the screen next to me and then my beer. So I, I don't want to hear any flack about uh, uh, not having a pumpkin beer this week because um, I'm watching my child roll around right now while recording this episode. 
And we're a little off kilter too because we're recording on Sunday night, which we normally never do uh, because I'm leaving for vacation on Tuesday, as we said last week. So, yeah, a lot of balls in the air, but uh, it was a good weekend. And it's kind of fun recording on Sunday because the game was so recent. Uh, I think people will appreciate getting the podcast to them on Monday and uh, enjoying it. So, let's start with the news and notes. We got a commitment from a four star safety to kick off the weekend from the state of North Carolina. J.R. Walker committed to the Hokies over NC State, Duke, UNC, and I think even Clemson in what was a surprise commitment where we've had it the other way many times where we think we're getting a kid, we think we're getting a kid, and, and that day he picks a school that we didn't know was on his radar screen. And I think that's what happened to NC State in this case. Yeah, he came away from, there was a lot of news and notes about him coming away from that Notre Dame game saying he absolutely loved the experience, the atmosphere. Uh, I always take that for what it's worth. Uh, obviously, it's uh, it's great to come to Lane, but you're going to still make the choice that you feel is best for you from a program standpoint. But in this particular case, at least from a verbal commitment, we always got to wait. Uh, he it, it made enough of an impact that uh, it got him over the edge, and and, and uh, I shouldn't say over the edge, but got him excited enough that he wanted to kind of move forward with his commitment to Virginia Tech, uh, verbal commitment, I should say. Yeah, it's awesome. He's one of the highest recruits in our class, according to the 247 composite. I think he's a safety. Uh, we'll see what, what position he ends up playing at Tech, but it's great news. Miami lost to UVA yesterday, which I thought was noteworthy. We don't have any real AP poll stuff to talk about, so I figured we kind of just talk about a couple of those games. And UVA now all of a sudden kind of turned the coastal on its head. In addition to Duke beating Georgia Tech, Duke a team we already beat. And now we sit alone at 3-0 and as the leaders in the coastal. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, but uh, I joked around with you guys that I kind of <laughs> – I think we know that our team has a lot of faults at this point, and mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want anybody. Um, I'd love for something like that to happen for us to kind of march our way through this season and make it to the uh, ACC championship. But I'm pretty sure that Clemson would curb stomp us uh, in that particular game. Uh, you know, and give me a chip in a chair, and I hope that we could always pull something like that off. But right now, it's not looking like the ACC Coastal is going to have much of a shot, just seen from the talent. And then on top of that, UVA, I think, is a pretty good team. People have been, you know, kind of railing on them, but that's a good win against Miami. Any way that yeah, you absolutely. cut it, they were. And then um, UVA goes out and gets also the recruitment and, and gets the uh, verbal from Ben Smiley, who was a, a, a player, I think, that was on our boards. He's from, I think, Northern he was Region. at one point for sure. Yeah. So they got that four-star commitment, uh, I believe it was today, that he... I uh, didn't even hear that. Wow. Yeah. So so the UVA has had a good weekend. We <laughs> we, yeah. we may be feeling good, but then uh, he did commit. And I, I, I thought he was somebody that might have ended up leaning Virginia Tech's way at the end. So, you know... Good for UVA. They they had a good weekend. They upset that that Miami team and uh, and got a commitment all in the same weekend. They typically play Miami pretty well. Like that's that's kind of standard for UVA. They don't always win, but even last year, if you remember, they got out to a nice lead on Miami, and people were like, "Oh crap!" Like you know, Kurt Benkert's like throwing the ball over the field, and then Miami ended up winning and keeping their undefeated streak alive. But they they tend to play them well and. I had my doubts about Mendenhall actually turning UVA around, especially early on. 
he seems to be like, you know, I think they even use the phrase brick by brick down there. I'm not sure. Maybe that was Tennessee. But either way, slowly but surely, they're coming along at UVA. And it's it's not something that we like to see. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, know, so. it's, it's a, I never want to see, you know, our arch nemesis doing well, but let's just, let's just be honest. The ACC is hot garbage right now. And we are the <laughs> laughing stock of all of college football by like far and away. Uh, Pac-12 it, isn't doing too good either. Okay. Well, well, nobody watches the Pac-12 because they're three hours behind. That's so, true. <laughs> so, uh, so everybody's in bed by the time they're playing. It doesn't look good. So no, do I want them to start getting good and start competing? No, do I want the ACC overall to start improving? And you know, in comparison to what we're doing this year, yeah, I do. I I want a conference that's you know relatively difficult of to course. play in, but manageable. And if we put together a good team, our strength of schedule looks well. Um, other than NC State and the Clemson game, which is going to be fantastic, I think this weekend. I think NC State's going to lose, but it's going to be a great game. Um, they're the only undefeated teams that we have in the conference right now. And that is a key game. You were saying that if we got to the ACC title game, you know, we could get killed by Clemson. However, it might not be Clemson. Yeah, I mean, it probably will be, but NC State's going to make a play for it. And if somehow they upend them, they're probably not going to lose another game. They could. They definitely could. But they, they, the schedule would line up to see like they could get there. And if they do, that's a winnable game. And if Clemson were to lose their quarterback, which now they only really have one good quarterback, although the other kid did come in and play okay against Syracuse, you know, that's a winnable game too because they don't have Kelly Bryant to back them up. So I don't know. You never know what can happen in a crazy season. And I was kind of thinking today, and maybe we should do this in a future podcast, if you could take one guy off of any of the teams on our future schedule to to benefit – tech season which would have the greatest impact like one player you don't get them from every team just one player from all the teams you get to choose one which guy would it be to increase our likelihood of having a good season and you can't really do the acc title game because we don't even know if we're going to be in that game but i'm just thinking about our regular season schedule like zach allen comes to mind from bc um quadri olison it would have been aj uh, dillon the, yeah, I mean, Dillon, but yeah. obviously he got banged up. So if you asked me, you know, three weeks ago, I guess it would be before he got injured. That that would have been the one that could have been the cheat because yeah. we always had the we always said we're going to either win one or the other of like GT mm-hmm. or BC. So it would have been AJ Dillon, and then once he went down, they 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 became a dumpster fire almost. They, uh, you know, they did beat Louisville. They ended yeah. up, you know, getting their crap together and beating Louisville. And he could be healthy. I mean, he's not done for the year, right? Yeah. Like, no, should, no, 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 back. no. I, I, my only point was it, they that that would have been my guess, but I don't think he's mm-hmm. coming back the way that I thought he was. Like, could have been uh, made a run at New York for the highs. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. I don't think he's coming back one hundred percent. Like he's gonna, you know, he has no chance at the at the Heisman any longer, obviously. And he never really played that way at the beginning of the season either. And you would say like you would want Amon Richards gone from Miami, but he's already done for the year. And like maybe you wanna get rid of I don't know. It's there, a great there, there's a lot of possibilities. But like on GT's team, if you take anyone out like the replacement is like so close to the starter that I don't think it matters. Like yeah. I know Taekwon Marshall is good, but we got beat by their backup two years ago at quarterback. So it, it, it I don't think for GT I would necessarily I would it would come from Pitt, it would come from BC, it would come from Miami. I don't know, or maybe per- Perkins on UVA. I think you know? next year we should do that as the season. Yeah. Every every episode we should pick out 
because it's going to change, right? You thought yeah. somebody was going to be really good and it's going to shift every week. Um, I think that would be a good rolling thing because I've never really heard of anybody else doing that. Like every week picking who could you take off somebody else's roster out of all the teams that are left to give you the best chance for success from your record standpoint. I think that would be fun to do next year if we started from the beginning of the season. I just think I talked myself into Perkins just now because <laughs> I want to win that UVA game for sure. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into the game recap was just your playoff prediction of WVU. Done. <laughs> not, not so good. <laughs> well, actually, they're still in it if they if they win out. That's true. Then, uh, yeah, yeah. If they well, if they win out and then they beat Oklahoma, then they're going. 100%. But it's looking it's a looking a lot more it's unlikely. It's looking a lot more on like absolutely there's no doubt. Like I'm not sitting here pounding the table anymore on WU. I thought they were really good. I thought Will Greer was I mean, their offense is really high powered and they first going into Iowa State, if you follow yeah. if you follow college football and like like to bet and things like that, nobody bets on when people are going into Iowa State. Like that is a terrible bet. Like it usually backfires on you. Um, pretty pretty frequently, and it backfired. Uh, I still think they're... They've beaten I, a lot of top 10 teams. I think they're a good team. I think they have a high-powered offense. I'm not so sure about their defense, but nobody in that league has a defense except for maybe mm -hmm. Texas. And so they still have a shot if they run the table from here on out, but I totally agree. I'm, I'm sitting here eating crow because... Or <laughs> maybe I'm not eating crow because all the Virginia Tech fans are super happy that WVU is, uh, is kind of And there was never any official bet with Don, so no one has to pay up or anything, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> well, it would be great. Now I could probably... I could, my odds would be a lot better right now if I doubled down. So uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. We'll have to see. I'll be in Vegas next weekend uh, on vacation, so if you need me to put that that down for the bets to win, uh, go to the playoff. I can do that for it. All right, let's do the game recap. The freshman, Cade Fortin, actually started at quarterback. Uh, yet again, Robbie, our preview comes up short because he was the third-string quarterback. In the middle of the week, we found out Surratt was injured, so he wasn't going to play. Then, you, of course, you assume it's going to be Elliott. No, they start the freshman against Virginia Tech, uh, a la ODU, where they insert Blake LaRussa early in the game. And, you know, kind of threw us for a loop, I think, in the beginning. And not that he was super good or super efficient, but he played well. And we didn't have any tape on him to be ready for, like, his style or whatever else. And what was crazy is we got a turnover on the first play. And we were like, ah, you know, this is going to be a cakewalk. You know, we took the ball down the field. Four plays later, Willis made that long run, got the nice touchdown. Uh, I, he, I was happy for Willis for making the right read. Cause there's a lot of times where he hasn't made the right read on that keeping it as the quarterback, but he's got some wheels that he showed off on that play. I think wheels. And he has a, um, he has the Josh Jackson disregard for his body type situation going where he just wants to win and he'll kind of throw it out there. I think he showed it a lot during this game. So he's a tough runner for sure. And, UNC responded with three field goals. So they did what we did against Notre Dame, where they could not get touchdowns. And that's really kind of what killed them in this game. So it was seven to nine at the half. UNC scored their first and only TD early in the third quarter on the pass to Ratliff Williams, who, for the most part, we did well against, but he was getting loose behind us. 16 to nine, UNC at that point. We came back on the following drive, 11 plays, 75 yards, punctuated with a 13 yard swing pass to Savoy, 14 to 16. And on that pass, was that nasty stiff arm. Yeah, he just that, that I was 
I love Savoy. I mean, everything that he's been through, everything he's gone through, and just seeing him be successful. And he, I think he really is a game changer. And we'll get into who's getting targeted more than less when we get start getting into the deep dive yeah. of this. But I think he's somebody that we could target um, much more efficiently, I should put, and, and, and in the right places and probably is underutilized in the way that um, he, he puts effort into the game. UNC added a field goal to make it 19-14, to and they were at our two-yard line with a first down late in the fourth quarter when Tyree Rogers got his helmet on the football, and it bounced up in the air, and Quillen recovered it. And that was a lifeline, but it still wasn't looking particularly good. There's six minutes left. We're on our own two. We're down by five. And then <laughs> our version of the drive happened. It wasn't Elway. It was Willis. But 18 plays five, almost six minutes out of the end zone with a 30 yard pass to Hazleton, several runs by Willis, a third and 14 to people, Long runs a fourth by and Willis. nine. <laughs> yeah. A fourth and nine scramble by Willis. That was just amazing. Um, and another key third down pickup on a run by Willis near the goal line, finished it off with a touchdown to Dalton Keene. And we won the game, got the two point conversion to, you know, just for good measure to Hazleton 22 to 19 in a game that we really stole <laughs> to, to put it that way oh i'm gonna i'm about to read off a laundry list of reasons that we stole that game and guess what you know when it's uh eight eight actually commas long of things that unc <laughs> gifted virginia tech in this game um we should have lost a hundred percent this is one of those 98 percent times out of you know you you should have lost this game so i, right. I like and believe me People may not like this, and I'm usually very positive, but I'm super happy that we won. But there is no chance that we should have won that game at all, whatsoever. No, and, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And and this was this was that occasion. And the the one thing I want to say before we take a beer break and then go over all the stats is just Fuente and Foster doing like the air hug and then Foster going down, and that gif is just like going around and around. It's amazing. I, I I love it, but it's um. All right, I'm gonna be real, real here. I and I said like when I sent out my message like about it is that's kind of the zero zero like above like Beamer. No, hands. it's not. Yeah, no, it's it is. Not. That that game was that like it just just look at it objectively. Don't look at it as a fan. Like I'm super happy that we won. I hate Larry Fedora. I hate UNC. But take off everything, and that was an ugly game. And for us to get that happy, that play was incredible. I mean, I can't imagine like the feeling and the elation that came with it. But that was that's leaning on the zero zero hands in the air kind of uh, the di- territory. The difference was there were scores, there were big plays, there were fun plays. They went back and forth. If you were a viewer, just an, an objective viewer, you'd be like, yeah, this was a sloppy game, but I had fun watching it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I just, no one I, had fun watching the zero zero. <laughs> I know. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, let me just go through my list when we get to that. And, um, sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'm kicking this off with level setting on, this was a bad game. Like this was, and it's not that not that I, I faulted on anybody in particular, and that's on either side, UNC or Virginia Tech. It just it was not a good game to to watch. 
um, for a lot of just very glaring reasons. And we'll get into that. All right. Let's take that beer break. Robbie, what are you having? So I am having, I needed to step it up. Um, I had to go with a whiskey barrel stout. It's barrel aged imperial stout from Boulevard uh, Brewing Company. I'm wondering, we just kind of, we, I think we've hit every brewery, I think, in, in the country that's we've well had known. Their, uh, Boulevard, Boulevard, I've had, yeah, I had the calling on here. I've had, I've had a bunch of theirs. So, uh, this one's 11.8%, so I can numb uh, all of my nervous nervousness from last night, I think. And um, it's delicious. You know, I'm finding it harder and harder when you have like these whiskey and bourbon barrel uh, stouts to really differentiate between them because they're all so good. You know what I mean? They're, like they put a lot of time and effort into them, it, whether it's a 4.5 or a 4.25. They're all delicious. This one is no different. You're saying in rating, not percent alcohol. No, 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 no. In rating um, of how good the beer is. This is delicious. I would recommend it to anybody. It's um, a delicious um, stout. I love it. it. I would I would drink this all day, except I would be shit-faced after like two of them. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like those beers a lot. Um, I do think the first couple of swigs for me are always like, whoa. And then like after you get used to it, you're kind of like, you know, cruising. Yeah, your palate gets good. past the once your palate gets past the liquor, it yeah. kind of starts absorbing the stout portion of it. So I totally agree. I've got a nice one of those that I want to drink. If we perhaps to make the ACC title game, I wanted to celebrate with this one down the road. But I, I my buddy Scott gave it to me last year and I've been saving it for a special occasion. Um I am having the Buffalo Bills pumpkin ale. I'm doing the pumpkin beers tonight and this is from California. Buffalo Bills, I think I had their orange cream beer on here. So they kind of do these like specialty type beers. This pumpkin is very like syrupy. It's all, like it's like the pumpkin in that regard, but way less sugar, not as much pumpkin that's coming through on this. Uh, not my favorite pumpkin beer. Uh, I have some favorites out there, and I'm, I can't drink them all tonight, obviously. But for instance, like the Elysian Night Owl, I, I put that in a picture on our Instagram yesterday. It's a phenomenal pumpkin beer. Yeah. Probably my favorite, if not second favorite. And the Ale Works, which is from Virginia, they make a pumpkin beer, and it's tremendous. It, it might be my favorite as well. And that is actually on tap right now at Dominion Wine and Beer. Um, we did our, That's Arash's family's other store. We did our show at the Gaithersburg right. store. There's one in Falls Church, and I think they just put the Ale Works on tap. And you can get growlers there and stuff. They might even do crowlers. I'm not sure. But... I, if you want to run over to Falls Church, you can get some of that, and it's it's pretty good. See, it works. I love, but that's kind of like the middle of the road. Like the the punk, you know, the punking is very very sweet, like very heavy sugary. And I actually, for me, I still I keep going back to the store, and every time I look at everything, I see the the ale works, which you love. I always go back um, to the dogfish head, um, the, oh, the, like pumpkin, the pumpkin, the pumpkin. In, yeah, and it's a little it's, subtle. It's got like a, and, and I'm not a big malt guy. I'm actually more of a high, like, but it's got like a malt kind of bite like on the back end to it that just draws me in. So it's weird that that's like 
my my and you're not go-to. even a big dogfish guy you don't even like really i don't like i hate dogfish i i li- like i like their 120 minute if i want to black out in like 20 minutes because <laughs> it's like 15 percent uh no i'm just kidding and i like their 90 minute. it's up there though yeah. i hate their 60 minute i i like their 90 minute and their 120 is basically like drinking a bottle of wine so uh, it's it's a little different but i do like their their pumpkin ale so i love this time of the year when we get to talk about this yeah. I know, and I, I'm also a big fan of the Shipyard, just to round out some of the favorites I've had over the years. But this Buffalo Bill's not my favorite. The one I'm having a little later is, uh, is I think, a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I have been enjoying the pumpkin beer season. I know there's a lot of haters that don't like pumpkin stuff because it's gone, like, nuts. It's not just it's not just beer. It's, you know, it's pancake mix and uh, soup and all this stuff. Like, everything's pumpkin this time. You go to Trader Joe's, they have a pumpkin everything. But, uh but I still love the beer. And and honestly, if there's any like section of beer where I feel like I would be an expert, it's pumpkin. One, I love it. Two, we've done this episode for four years now. I've tried like at least 15 to 30. Like, least, I mean, it's a lot of pumpkin beer. We have like, shipyards sitting in my fridge because my wife loves it. So that's her favorite pumpkin beer. Yeah, so we, I'm pretty sure that we know our stuff when it comes to pumpkin <laughs> beers. And uh, although I make fun of her because her pumpkin spice lattes, because, uh, you know, that's fun, whatever. Hey, I- I'm never going to knock anyone for a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> uh, all right, man, let's let's do our reactions here. And, and I'll let you kind of kick things off, because I think someone might have peed in your cornflakes this morning. <laughs> and you've, you've got some uh, negative take on the game. I know. I don't have a negative take. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but I, d- I don't think we should have won that game. Right, right. No. I, I, I'm also. But sometimes you win games, you're not. But also, to. I'm really excited that um, the team pulled through, and I'll get to that. Like I, Willis showed incredible heart. I mean, uh, that he literally put the team on his back in a lot of those instances, uh, almost that entire drive, and a lot of others that he uh, made happen. But for much of this game, this was about UNC shooting itself in the foot. Other than the last drive, it was not about Virginia Tech winning. They had bad snaps. They missed players downfield, at least four that I counted on long passes. They missed field goals, two of them that I counted. They had fumbles, three. Not converting on fourth downs in VT territory happened twice. They had a hold penalty in the red for in the red zone that forced a field goal that should have been a touchdown. They missed a wide open player in the end zone on that pass to the left, and Ratliff Williams, yeah, which there was nobody within fifteen yards of him because Farley was sitting. I think he was actually in the stands at that time, um, like having a pretzel, and then they fumbled in the end zone. That is almost, if you had to quantify it, probably about twenty eight points that they left on the on the field. Uh, it was, yeah, I could. I, I can speak to that because there were seven red zone trips for UNC and they got 19 points. So that's out of a possible 49, you know, like if you're getting, you know, seven touchdowns, is 49 points, right? So they didn't do well. They didn't convert um, what they should have. It, uh, we, yeah, they screwed up a lot and, yeah. and it helped us quite a bit. The Daz drop was the most noticeable one because it was just like Two in his them. hands. He's, and he had well, another the one, one was next, really bad. Yeah, yeah. the one that well, went off like, his I mean, chest plate was bad. Yeah, and then the next one was it was on the next play. It was e- equally as bad that they should have had. And um, so we can get it. Let's get into the details. But I just want to level set everybody with 
This wasn't like, oh, sometimes you win games that you weren't supposed to win. This should have been like the the door should have blown off for UNC. They should have destroyed. They should have won by 21 points by far. If a competent yeah. offense and that doesn't make like really dumb mistakes and get in their own heads came out there, they would have won this game by 21 points. I think in my in my personal opinion, I'm still elated that we won. Yeah. And we'll start with the defense then because they gave up 522 yards. It could have been a lot more. 287 pass yards from two what I'll call shitty quarterbacks. And then 235 rush yards when that was the one part of our defense where like we were really pretty good. We had we had noted the two huge mistakes we'd made, but for the most part, you know, our rush D had been the strength of our defense. And 6.2 yards per carry. Carter was awesome. And he, he got the early comparisons to Gio Bernard when he showed up on campus. And he was looking really, really good. He was having a night before that fumble. And Ashby was awesome in this game. And Floyd was good. And Dax was good. But we're still just, it's just lacking a little bit of chemistry. And and I, there's no doubt there was a Notre Dame hangover in this game. Like there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, we don't get pushed around like that too too often uh with those rushing yards like that just that to me that was like all right this team has had off for 15 days because they played they didn't just play and have a bye they had a thursday night game and then had a bye i look at the rush and we'll take it in pieces so i look at the rush a little bit differently because i think those stats are skewed to very very long runs that happened on like just breakdowns so when i i always try and make sure is it like methodical seven yards of carry and that just happened for the whole game it didn't we got people in the back we like but then yeah they were getting large chunks a lot but i know what you mean but like are they 20 yard chunks or they consistently five yard chunks that's how i separate what we need to do as a defense like against the run game the off we can talk about the pass game and i'm gonna go to town on that um but the, the 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 run game i felt like we had we left open some gaps bad tackling not good assignments and people there was at least two 60 yard runs i think against us or 50 or 60 yard runs that made up 120 of that probably or 100 120 and thank of god that. that we chase guys down because i think ladler caught him on the one and then they ended up either with a field goal or with nothing i can't remember yeah. and so always always as we've learned the last two years chase the guys down and tackle them absolutely so I, I I I I'm not happy with it whatsoever. I don't think I didn't walk away from that portion of the game being like, oh, I'm really concerned. I walked away from where I think we'll end up going here with the secondary. I'm extremely concerned. <laughs> like absolutely just yeah. don't understand what I'm seeing well, on the field. Yeah. I have no clue what is going on. And and I'll I'll gladly try to paint the opposite brush too. But I know I know we're bad back there. Like I, I know it's tough right now. And let let's just finish off the defense and talk about Diablo because the poor kid is out there. And we talked about how he's like struggling with the injuries and we need him out there and stuff. And he just probably shouldn't have been out there. Like he toughed it out. You could tell his hammy was bothering him all night. He kept getting beat like a you know an old rug again and again. And I don't know what you do. I mean, t- Rogers probably should have been in the game more. Uh, credit to Diablo for toughing it out, but like that's part of the problem. I'll say Farley made two nice pass breakups, so Absolutely. maybe he's looking back at the ball in both cases. 
a little bit of improvement there. Um, but we had two personal foul or not personal fouls, pass interference on Bryce Watts, which got them large chunks down the field. Uh, then again, they saved potentially long catches. So, you know, you weigh it, but yeah, it's tough back there, man. I, I, they're Diablo's hurt, right? Like, I'm not going to come out here and be like, and I'm not using numbers to dictate. I'm using what I saw to dictate, right? I'm not saying, Hey, we gave up this much on, you know, deep Mm -hmm. passes. So Diablo's hurt. He shouldn't have been out there. It's obvious that he's, he's struggling and Get him off the field. Keep him healthy. Like you, that's priority number one of all of these. And beyond winning the game, like I want to see our players healthy. Two is with Watts, Farley, even some instances on short route like Floyd. It it just it doesn't look, um, it doesn't look like it's supposed to be scripted. Like it, it's people are getting. There are people so deep beyond that. I think that it's like, you know, it's bolt. It, this looks like the Olympics, how how deep the wide receivers are getting on some of our our DBs. It, it doesn't look... When, when I'm watching the TV and I don't see a Virginia Tech player, but I see somebody about to catch a pass, <laughs> that yeah. I don't understand. It's a bad sign. It's that's, a bad sign. That's, that means you're at least 15 yards off, which that's unacceptable. That's insane. There's... There, it doesn't look like a typical Bud Foster, um, Torian Gray defensive back. Because um, it's not Torian Gray, right? And I know that's what you mean. Yeah. Because that's been the conversation. Yeah. Is that, are we getting good enough defensive back coaching right now? I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's Just because the guys are young. I mean, it's hard to just like say it's all the coaching when the kids are freshmen and sophomores. And admittedly, everyone's like, well, we weren't complaining when last year and, and Faison's good and Strom's good. Those guys got coached by Torian Gray for a couple of years. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's a little bit different. So it's, it's hard to tell. Um, and we did lose Galen Scott, who was partially responsible for coaching the safeties, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I, I know it's the corners that are more of the issue, and I think that's Brian Mitchell. But, uh, you know, you got Brandon Flowers, you got D. Hall. You got, people are complaining about – the coaching, not that they even know. I don't think they, I mean, I, I don't know. I agree. I, just, I don't want to complain it, about the coaching too much when the guys I don't want to complain about the coaching. It's just the style of the way that they're, they don't know, like they, they don't, they look like they don't know what they want, are doing, right? Like yeah. when you, when you watch Brandon Faison, when he came in, right? So forget it. Okay. He had Fuller on the other side, right? We always talk about that for two freshmen yeah. that was sat out there. They always did the same thing. It was you take a hand and you put it on the hip of, of the wide receiver and you keep up and you know where he is, but you don't have to look at him. You don't have to do anything, but you can tell by where his hip is, what he's going to do. That's not happening. That, that like They're not even that close. And you don't push, you don't pull the, you don't pull the jersey, you don't do anything, but you just like keep your hand right up against them and just know where they're at in relation to where your body is and where you're moving. And that's what I think facing and a lot of these people and Fuller and all these people did and what was taught to them. I don't know what's getting taught because we got people that are fucking 20 yards out of play on what, what's happening. Like that is a missed assignment. I don't care if you're a freshman or a senior, you cannot be that far away. That means they took a right and you took a left and they're on the Jersey turnpike and you're going down 81 towards Blacksburg. That is insane. 
Yeah, and 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 we, people know it. Let's let's not um, you know, spend too much more time on it. But I, I'm with you, and and whether it's coaching or the talent or whatever, I do think that like I've seen Farley getting better. Now his run fits. That's one thing, but like Farley is slowly, I mean, he had a great first game and we got our expectations a little too high. This is a kid that really didn't play that much DB in high school. I don't think, uh, he was, he was much more of a playmaker on offense. So he's getting, he had two really nice breakups in the end zone, like important breakups. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's build on that. And I I know there were a lot of mistakes, but let's, let's flip over to the positive stuff because there was positive stuff in this game. And the final drive, let's just start there because it was so much fun and something I'll remember. It's like the Pitt goal line stand, honestly. And to do it against Larry Fedora, just like Pitt was against Narduzzi, like these are two of our least favorite coaches. And God, Fedora's face, like the salt, like he was so bitter and so salty after the game. And and I don't blame him because that, that was a tough way to lose with the fumble and then us taking it 98 yards, 18 plays. I don't know if I've ever seen a tech drive that long. I, I really don't. It could be the longest one in school history. I don't know. Well, I think it's on top of even the length of the drive, but what Willis did in just obscene like scenarios, you were like, okay, it's over. We're, we're about to... Yeah. I, I kept being looking and myself being like, oh man, we're going to lose this game. And then he would pull off, it was like fourth and nine, and he would like get the nine yards. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I said the tweet during the game, there is... I will say a lot of things about Willis. I think sometimes he gets way too amped. He like comes down on players, but I will never judge that kid for wanting to win. I mean, he is amazing. He just in that sense that he's like, okay, can't find anybody open. I might be able to make that pass, but you know what? I can make the seven yards and I can get us the first down and I can keep this game going. Um, and diving head first like it's very Carson Wentz-esque and like you know like the just reckless abandon like you were saying like no no regard for his body like I gotta get this first down I gotta do this whatever and that that run on that fourth down which was the game obviously it's fourth down on the last drive he gets that after scrambling like his sense in the pocket and then getting out it was perfect and there were stretches of inaccuracy and he was spasmatic as you, as you mentioned, like he can be a bit of a spaz. He's just, but you know, who could also do that was Gerard Evans. Like Gerard would get really fired up at times and it ended up being a net positive because Gerard had the talent to back up that. What happened with Willis was he got like really amped up. Then he got frustrated. Then he got inaccurate. And I was like, he lost it. Like this is like we, he's lost like his mojo for today and it's not coming back. And at one point, I can't remember the catch. Could have even been the Hazleton catch out of the end zone, but he got a catch and it was like, Oh man, I think he's back. Like, I think, I think that registered and like now his accuracy came back and he was great after that. And he got it done. If you look at the QBR, like that, what QBR does that passer rating does not do one, it factors in running two, it takes into account down in distance. And his QBR was 74.5, which is higher than the Notre Dame game. It's lower than the Duke game, but it's a pretty darn good QBR. And when you take his whole season into account now, which is a good chunk of games, he's 10th in football, like in college football, he's 10th, like above Ian book above, you know, he's right with Will Will Greer and like these really, really good quarterbacks in the biggest moments he has delivered some really really nice plays so absolutely i just think he needs to now um 
Well, he's going to continue to develop. First of all, he didn't know he was going to be a starter, uh, you know, coming into the season. And now he has to bring the team together. I think if we're going to be successful for the rest of the season, he can't be looking. There was one, I took a screenshot out of it. I was going to tweet it out, but I didn't want to keep hammering on the team when I was really excited about a win. But there were things that really pissed me off in this game. And he gives Hazleton a look like my mom gave me the first time, like, you know, I dropped the F bomb and I'm, I, <laughs> and that's, that's, that is not a leading quarterback. He needs to, he needs to coalesce the team and bring them together because we are thin. We are young. He is a veteran. He played, he's played before, right? Like he's, he's played and he should be the leader. He should not be. And the frustration is fine. Well, it's like, Hey, you didn't do this but you can't always be frustrated. I love his energy. I love his attitude. I love his willingness to just like put his body on the line and he expects everybody else to do it. But not everybody, if you work in any company, not everybody reacts to your attitude the same way. You need to adapt your attitude to the players that are around you. Some of them need a little coddling. Some of them need you to tell them to shut up and, you know, do it. And he needs to learn that because I think he could be exceptional. I, you know, the he's had so many good plays that he made with his feet. Like he was like, I don't think I can throw it. And if you saw how much he changed from last game to this game, last game we had all of the problems. This one he threw it out of bounds a lot more. Just got rid of the ball. He he went down a lot more. He. Fuente talked to him and said, this is unacceptable for what I'm expecting of a quarterback. And he reacted and it was perfect. Yeah. It was, it, it, that's what we needed to see. The only mistake that he made other than just like missing throws was the interception. Cause there were two interceptions, but the first one was all in Hazleton. And for as good as Hazleton has been, there have been some big drops there, there have been, there was a, in ODU, there was a fourth down, I think not that that would have changed the outcome. I'm just saying there have been some drops and that drop led to an interception. It bounced right off his chest should have had it. It was going to be a first down, I think. And then it ends up being UNC's ball. And the other interception though was on Willis. And that was my point is that that was really the only play and he floated it and it wasn't good. And that was during that stretch where he was very inaccurate, but he turned it around and that drive was so great. And, I don't think Josh could have done it, and I, I don't want to knock Josh. I'm just saying, like, this kid has something. He has something. Like, and I I really like watching him play. He, You kind of mentioned the Phillip Rivers comparison because Phillip Rivers is a very, like, kind of hot, spazzy-type quarterback, and, like, he, like, will get real fired up and, and, and yell at the other team and all this stuff, but he's really good. He, like, it helps him, and I think that's kind of how Willis is. I agree. Like, so... It was it was awesome to see. I mean, great great win. Not a pretty game. You got to get lucky sometimes. You just you you got to get lucky sometimes, and we did. Yeah, I think he just needs to see the field a little bit better because I don't think that Fuente. I put out my stat earlier today that a you know a bunch of people have seen of of the passes with Hazelton versus the passes of the rest of the team. Eighteen percent mm-hmm. versus you know nearly seventy two percent completion. I, I I think he just needs to see the field and get more comfortable with everybody else. And I'm not a little saying bit more distribution. Yeah, I, well, I, not forced distribution, but I think it's a comfort thing for him. So mm-hmm. he feels comforted by you know throwing to Hazleton because they've been doing it for so long. Totally cool, love it, awesome. 
but now he has to get comfortable with everybody else. Savoy made amazing catches in that game. So did Kuma. Like, there was a mm-hmm. lot of play. Like, Dalton made the win, the game-winning catch like uh, there. First like, catch of the game. Yeah, his first. And he's four for four. Every pass that he's thrown at Dalton Keene, he's caught. Um, four for four, he's, he is. So now it's time to develop. Now it's time to get comfortable with everybody on the field and then not just say, like, you look at it and it's like a Jackson, you know, it's a Pollock. Like, they just look scattered. <laughs> so then you just look for, like, the big shape and you throw it at it, which is your Hazleton that's out there. He, now it's time to get comfortable with all the small shapes. And uh, I think if he does that, I really think he could be exceptional. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm super excited about what he's done so far and what he can continue to do. Definitely. And I had mentioned earlier that this was a classic hangover game after a physical game, after an emotional game of like the fired up lane stadium last week against Notre Dame, UNC gets to sit out and, you know, a bye weeks don't always help. We had a practically had a bye week before ODU, you know, like a, a, an impromptu one, but nevertheless, and we lost. So they don't always work out, but I will say with UNC and the suspensions, we knew how much of a mystery they were. They go ahead and start a QB that me and you aren't, it's not even on our radar screen. And then you know, they're fresh. They've got their guys back. Malik Carney gets, you know, we thought he was going to play. Then we heard he was suspended. And then we heard he got a last minute waiver to play. And that guy's a freaking beast. He was causing problems all night long. He had two the of their four line. stacks, two of their four sacks and seven tackles. The other two came from Stowbridge, who everybody saw on the field because he was destroying people. So, yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah. And, and the ultimate point is that like UNC was a mystery and we're coming down. And, and they've played four games. They're they're healthier than they've been in, in a year and a half. They're fresher than they've been in a long time. And we still beat them. And I know, we, and, and yeah, they, but they screwed up. You know, we, if you execute, they win, but they didn't, you know, and that mm-hmm. partially that's some of us, partially that's on them. But like, we still went down there. We still got the win. And we'll talk about the future of the season and uh, just a, a little bit of Georgia Tech before we sign off. But I, I did want to say that, our buddy Clark Rulin tweeted that like this was retribution for Frank's last game, which me and you attended together, and we lost in overtime to UNC. And I and I like I retweeted it or whatever. I was like I like that, but it was really retribution for the Ryan Williams game yes. in two thousand nine because Ryan Williams fumbled when we were driving to like seal the game, and they came back and won. And look what they did: Michael Carter, the running back, fumbled. And we took it down the field and won the game. So it, it, to me, it was retribution for both. But I thought the uh, the Ryan Williams game was more fitting in terms of like what it was. I think I think so. I, it, I I'm not trying to take anything away. I'm just saying that I always like to put things in perspective. Of what's going to happen from here on out? And if people mm-hmm. think that like we went into Chapel Hill and just destroyed them, that's not true. Like nine times out of ten. A team UNC should have won that game, so absolutely like barn like there is no question on that. So when you look at Georgia Tech, when you look at all the games that we have upcoming, then just keep that in mind that this team is still is still struggling. Like they're still yeah. trying to get their feet underneath them. They're still trying to develop what they can, and that's because of injuries. That's because of uh, youth. It's because of depth yeah. problems. So you know. It is a win. I love it. I love smoking UNC. It's amazing. I'm so happy. But 
I want to level set expectations for what's about to happen moving forward. Yeah. This team needs to take a step forward for us to be competitive on some of the games that we have on the horizon that are my, you know, Miami's got a chip on their shoulder. Now they just lost to UVA. Like Georgia tech has a chip on their shoulder, right? They felt like they were like world beaters. Now they feel not so great. So we just got to remember that this team still needs to continue to develop. If we went status quo, it would not be a great record in finishing off the year. Right. We, we need to, we need to improve because what UNC's defense and what their quarterbacks are throwing at us isn't special. It really isn't. I mean, yeah, they have some good players, but it's not special. Like there are better teams coming down the line. So the spy week needs to be a refresher and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's take another beer break. So Pete, what are you drinking over there? I'm on the second pumpkin of the night. I'm having the Lancaster baked pumpkin ale. It's got a picture of a pumpkin pie on the front. This is pretty good. Lancaster Brewing out of Pennsylvania. It's a it's better than the first beer. It's drinkable, like very drinkable. You could have more than one of these. Sometimes these pumpkin beers are so sweet. Like I was having the bar had Evolutions Jock All Lantern on tap last night. So I had one at the beginning of the game, but that is very sweet. So you really only want to have one. This is a little bit more like it's more drinkable, as I said. So I, you can have a bunch of these. It's not as spicy as I would like it. I like it when it's just like the pumpkin head has more spice to it. And like there's, there's a perfect balance of pumpkin and spice and malty and syrupy and all that kind of stuff and the sweetness. And this is pretty close. Like it's, it's very close. I would want a little bit more spice from it. But the Lancaster Baked Pumpkin Ale, I think you can pick it up a lot of places. Obviously, it's in, uh, it's in PA, but it's 7.5% alcohol which is very high for a pumpkin beer. Like I, they normally don't get above like six and a half. I think the night owl is like 6.7, but that's, this is a lot. I know the pumpkin is very high, but that's like they pound it with the sugar. So you can't really tell yeah. um, this, this one also, like I, I would never have known. What are you doing? So uh, I was surprised we hadn't had this on this. Cause I drink this pretty often. I got the stone, uh, the woot stout, the, the it's pretty common well-known uh stout that they do there's like a 2000 it's one of those ones that they actually do the age on it so there's a 2015 16 17 this is the 2018 uh stone woot stout i drink this pretty often because um i love it i know everybody thinks i'm just an ipa head but i all like probably one out of three times i go to the store i ended up buying the woot it's a stone brewery. I think uh, we all know them. It's like eleven point five percent, so a little bit higher than than what you got going <laughs> over there. It's delicious. It's I think it's a little bit more mellow than what I just had before in terms of, um, and obviously because that was a whiskey stout and this is um, just a straight stout. But I love this beer. It's delicious. It's got like a perfect balance obviously it's a little bit alcoholic if you um if you're not that into it you'll taste a little bit if you're drinking stuff that's usually a little bit lower abv i love it it's it's a great beer i'm so i was surprised i had to look it up on our website to figure out that we hadn't had it on the podcast before but highly recommend it i don't recall that's awesome yeah nice so it's good and of course stone always does amazing things with their labels so it's awesome to look at as as much as it is awesome to drink. 
Nice. And you know, we need to talk about something else awesome was we got to see our stud recruit, Quincy Patterson, who we had mentioned in the in the last podcast when we were talking to Don about the future and like what could be. Now we didn't see him throw a pass, but Quincy Patterson was in the game. This is something that I don't think either of us necessarily thought would happen this year if we didn't see it against William and Mary. Because we got Hooker in there then. We got Hooker against Duke for a couple plays. But at one point, Willis took a shot. I don't think he was injured. The announcers were saying, like, oh, Willis is injured. They're putting in Quincy Patterson. It was, like, it was pretty clearly like a package of plays. Yeah. And it was two running plays that he did. He, he, he handed it off once. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stood out, because the runs were fine. He got us a first down. Very cool. He's gigantic. He's, he's huge. <laughs> he is like, so he's big. so freaking big. <laughs> And to be 18, I guess, and I, I like to be that big, like his arms are so big. Like it's not just like his height or like chubby, like baby fat or something. No, he's just enormous. He was like watching, uh, I'm old, so I always like going back to the stuff. And hopefully there's a few old people that were Harry and the Hendersons, where it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That is, that is going back. It, he looked like Harry and the Hendersons out there. I, I when he came on the field, I go, who is this gigantic man that just took the field? And then I saw it was QP. And I sent you and uh, Joe a message. And I said, Oh, it, it I was said, like, QP alert. was tweeting about I it. Said, like, QP alert. Yeah, I mean, he just took the field. It was cool. We want we want to see him. He's like that mystery. Like, he could be no good. Like, we, 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 we don't have any clue how good he's going to be. His high school tape is awesome. It's really fun to watch. He is a prototypical Fuente quarterback when you watch his high school stuff, like the veer running and like all that stuff that like Justin, that is his thing. And Quincy's perfect for it. It's just we need him to develop and build on that talent that he has. But it's cool to see him in there. And maybe we'll see more of that. Like I like the idea of bringing in uh, Hooker or Patterson and these like kind of kitschy plays. And one of these days, we're going to let those guys throw the ball. Yeah. Well, I, I mean – Take advantage of the the new rules that just took place. So mm-hmm. if you're not, then well, if if you're not worried about him getting injured, then take advantage of it. Otherwise, you're an idiot because you get four free games now to put somebody in, and they still get to keep their red shirt. So I I was excited about his running ability. I was even more excited and just for being a college football fan and being a Virginia Tech fan when he got off the field after he got pulled off, seeing 20-plus players come over and oh, yeah. and just give him a pat on the back and smack on the helmet and just say, awesome job, way to get that first down. I, that's the kind of stuff that just draws me in. That's the kind of stuff that, and I know you're an NFL fan, changes me like on, on on college football, like I see that kind of stuff and it just makes me emotional about how what these players are putting in and what they're not getting paid for. They I know they and they just are so happy for each other to like have those opportunities and it's just life changing to like see that kind of and to know what he's come come he's coming out of Chicago. Nobody gets recruited out of Chicago. Like, there's no football players, and he's that done so much. Yeah, Southside of Chicago. And it was just so it was so cool to watch that scene where every player, like that was on the sidelines near him, came over and like said, "Hey, great no, job." It was cool, and it, it's. I think all the quarterbacks, even Willis, like they're at the end of the game, obviously, but 
they all seem to be well liked, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's nice. And I was very happy for Quincy just in that moment because even if you're just throwing a kid a bone to show a future recruit, like we'll we'll put a freshman in the game. Look at what Trey Turner did in that game. We didn't even talk about him. Like he made two great plays, amazing plays, uh, and one of those yeah, catches was I, ridiculous. I mean, that was awesome. So we'll we'll let you play if you're good enough to get on the like we'll we'll put out the freshman. <laughs> he's not opposed to doing it. And we're kind of doing it out of necessity in some ways, but we have plenty of wide receivers. And he's playing Trey Turner, who's coming off a shoulder out of high school. So it's it's cool to see these young guys get in the game. I wanted just to miscellaneously, because that was in my, you know, my miscellaneous category. I also had the announcers were awful. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to harp on it, but, like, God, that was hard to listen to. Um, not as hard to listen to as the ODU announcers, who were clearly rooting for ODU the entire time. But <laughs> this was pretty bad. Let's talk about Georgia Tech and just be the season as a whole going forward. And we we had our little conversation about guys you'd want to take off teams and stuff. But sitting at 3-0 and in the conference with four out of the next five games at home. And I know like people can say our home field advantage isn't what it is. It's still – you'd much rather be at home and not the travel and all the complications that come along with it's it. It's still three points in any way that if you just want to bet Vegas, then it's three points. So every game you have a three-point advantage. And sometimes it's two and a half – some people characterize it as three, but in any place, it's three points usually. And and Lane can be can be more than that. And the next game against Georgia Tech, we're not going to do, do our full preview, but it's such a big game because if you can take that three and zero record to four and zero, and in the process get over the hump of what has become Fuentes like white whale right now, in the first two years he hasn't beaten Georgia Tech. Think about where we'd be sitting going forward. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast with my thoughts on the game and then you know, end the podcast with my excitement for the team. This team has everything in front of it. You know, that ODU loss is miserable. That Notre Dame loss is completely respectable that, that they are going to be in the college football playoff barring something really stupid that they do. So... You had one bad loss, basically, for this team. That's it. And Notre Dame is an expected loss. We, and, and it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was but very whatever. bad. <laughs> and Notre Dame was an expected loss. It should be. So now you have everything in front of you. You're undefeated in the ACC right now in, in conference play. You have, you have every opportunity. I think this whole season and this next game, if you win this next game after a bye, then everything's on the table. By far. I mean, and Miami is going to have a chip on their shoulder when they come into lane. They, they're going to try and play us hard, especially since um, they just got embarrassed by UVA you know, pretty badly. UVA is going to have a chip because Mendenhall is trying to write the ship. I think those are... those and 14 years of a chip. <laughs> yeah, those two... I, I, if I had to look forward, those two games now have flipped on their head as being now our... Well, Miami we knew was going to be tough. The, the UVA game has now become one of the tougher games because Mendenhall has mm-hmm. said, we beat Miami. Who can't we beat? Like, that, that, that is, that's the mentality that he's going to instill into his players in the locker room is you already beat somebody as good as Virginia Tech. You can't come in here and beat the, you know, uh, Virginia Tech. You already beat Miami. You can do this. So that game scares me uh, a lot. It, it does. And, and, the UVA importance and just what we think we're going to be up against went up a notch. And that's what's nuts about the last four games is that 
Georgia Tech is really before we go down that stretch, that's the easiest game. If you just want to go like by SP or just like stats or how the teams actually how good they are, Georgia Tech's the worst of what's left on our schedule. People want to talk crap on Pitt. And I think they suck, but Georgia Tech also sucks. Like those teams are not good, but Pitt causes us problems and it's on the road. Georgia Tech is at home. This is our easiest chance to get an ACC win of the five games left, in my opinion. And I know Fuente hasn't beat them, but with a bye, with the growth at the quarterback position that I think is going to, as has happened and it will happen over the next week or so, I think we win that game. And if you don't win that game, you're setting yourself up for some tough sledding. Because, like, you've you've got A.J. Dillon. You've got Quadri Olison, You've got Travis Homer. And you've got Bryce Perkins. Yeah. You know, like, there's, there's, there's people coming at you, running games. All those guys I mentioned run the football really well. You know, one's a quarterback, the other three are running backs, but you get my point. <laughs> and the running defense just had its worst game of the season. So I, I think that was because of the situation. But still... It's got to get tightened up. We played a good back in Carter, and he took advantage. You can't, you can't have that. You, we, we need Reggie Floyd up at the line. He, he is so good in the run game. I think he'll be a huge strength. We don't necessarily need Diablo as much, but we saw what Georgia Tech did on those two passes last year, right? Yeah. So we're going to give up something big to Georgia Tech in the past game. Oh, absolutely. That's what we did. Yeah, I mean that's. But I, I think we'll be able to slow them down hopefully and and we'll do more on this next week i just i, I don't know this this is our this is the easiest game because if we don't if we don't beat georgia tech then i think we're going to struggle to get to to win the coastal like if you don't beat georgia tech you're not winning the coastal no, we, and we shouldn't first of all we shouldn't really be winning the coastal anyway i mean we're kind of we're back door we're back door but this we're here thing. we're three and oh so I, I, I agree i'm just saying that it's 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 not going to be our proudest win if we pull it off but you know we're not gonna nobody's gonna look back and be, be like <laughs> i won't i mean <laughs> I, yeah, you know what i mean yeah. like i just think like you're right we have a lot to play for if we show the right improvement then yeah we we can give someone a game in the ac title game but there's a long way to go yep. and i think it does start with the bye week. do you think i mean i feel like we're gonna come back very refreshed very focused after this game because although we won there's plenty to like Yell at people at in the film room, which are the best kind of wins. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna come back refreshed. I'm, I, somebody put out today that um, Bud Foster got out coached in that game. That's false. It's 100 percent false. He didn't get out coached. We don't have the players to play defensive back right now. At the, the like, the, the, we didn't get out coached. You think Bud Foster? Spent 29 seasons at Virginia Tech, putting up the best, one of the best secondaries that's ever lasted in college football over that stretch of time. And then in this game against Larry Fedora, who sucks and can't win a fucking game this year, is is like the like that Bud Foster got out coached. No, that's false. The fact is, is that our secondary is not very good. Like we need to improve. Whether that's the player, or you can the you can you can say you can put them in better positions and this and that, but like it's hard to put guys who are having a really hard time playing at all in any good position to make a play when when Diablo's hammy clearly is bothering him and and whatever else. So it's 
I, you know, what, whether Bud got out coached or whatever, it was a bad game. But you know what? We still put off the W, and the, uh, the offense scored enough points to win in the biggest moment. And and for that, I'm I'm super excited, and and I'm excited to, no matter like, we have a chance. I want to play. It's always fun to have something to play for. The guys have something to play for. So I guess my final thought is is I know some of this has come off negative for me and much more negative than it. that was just a it was a tough game to watch is my thought and because it just showed all the things that we've all been kind of whispering which is you know this team has a lot of development ahead of it that it's and that's good that they're young I mean it would be bad if we had a bunch of seniors and we played a game like that we have a bunch of young talent and I just want to see them develop. Um, I also want to see our secondary improve, quite frankly. That was the scariest thing, to see four, five, six deep balls where nobody is within five to six yards, and it just happens when we're, when we're, when we're predicating our success on a quarterback not being able to make a pass, we don't have a chance. That that's not how football works. That 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 is not a team that has a chance of making the playoff. And th- let's just put it as that as a goal. Well, that yeah, we we know that. But yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. Yeah, like we can't rely on other teams' ineptitude. Something we have going for us uh, before we close out is just that we have these running teams coming up, and because the secondary has been struggling, that is a good thing. We are not play, playing anyone who passes the ball particularly well. Now against us, they're all going to have their best games, but <laughs> we, we're not going. We're not playing Will Greer here, you know. Like, we, which thank God, we we've got a triple option team. We've got a young quarterback in Anthony Brown who has improved. We got Nathan or no, what's his name, Pickett mm-hmm. from Pitt, and Malik Rozier, who we know can throw interceptions and has like been up and down because they benched Nikosi Perry in the early part of that game after throwing two picks. Yep. So Miami's quarterback thing is definitely wonky. Perkins is the unknown. Because I'm not sure how good he is as a thrower, but I know he's a good runner. I'm happy we get a few running teams to ease some of the pain, and like let's let's get that locked down. Let's get the running game back to where it was, like the run defense, it's like where we're stuffing teams to two yards a carry by and large. And then, at hopefully by the tenth, eleventh game, whatever, the DBs have learned and they're they're playing a lot better. That, that's that's all I can hope for. I agree. All right, we're going to sign off. We probably rambled on too long as it was, but we will be back next week, uh, probably putting out a podcast either, either a day or two before Georgia Tech just to go over the game in more detail and do some picks and stuff. And after that, you know, it will be back on schedule. I'm going on vacation. It's my fault. But, yes, we will be back with one more podcast before Georgia Tech. So don't worry. We will pro- preview that game and have some beers and have some fun. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. On Instagram, at 2DVT as well. 2DVT at gmail.com and 2DVT.com is our website. Stream the podcast. Check out Robbie's stats. He's getting those a little bit easier for Robbie. Only 36 pass attempts this time around. (laughs) Instead of 52. So I I actually got to sleep a little bit. So that was nice. Uh, Yeah, subscribe, rate. Uh, Thanks for listening. As always, even in a lost week, we had a lot of a lot of good numbers for for Don and our podcast last week. So that was good. And until next time, go Hokies. <laughs>